Was this Dak Prescott's best game of the season? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys Locked. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked. Network, your Locked. team Locked. every day. Locked. 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 Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is Landon McCool. Landon, first question. Was this Dak Prescott's best game of the season against the Eagles? I think it's certainly a good question. I I, I think if you, you know, obviously... uh, (laughs) Even well into the third quarter, you know, as Dak was uh, committing several acts of wizardry from the pocket, we still had folks going, "Yeah, but if he had not thrown that interception in that in the first quarter, and 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 you know, he's like, you know, completing somewhere in the area of seventy five percent of his passes. He has three touchdowns. He has forty yards in the ground. Uh, you know, I think that top to bottom, it it probably is his best game." Um, you know, obviously the the, the pick six is, was unfortunate, but it, seriously, if you can find a way to wipe that out and three touchdowns and all everything else he did probably should, uh, it, it's, it was an incredibly impressive game. What he was able to do from the pocket as a passer on the, on the ground with his yeah. legs in total, I thought was just incredibly impressive. So the other game that you could make the case for would be the Vikings game, right? When he completed, I'm looking at it now, 22 of 25 passes for 276 yards and two touchdowns. But it's a lot easier to play quarterback when you're you're up in games and everything is going well, right? It's a lot harder when you throw an interception on like the second play of the game, right? And now you're going up against a good defense and you're in bad situations all game long. I thought Dak was absolutely phenomenal. I don't even really care about the interception all that much. When you when you're averaging like ten yards an attempt the rest of the way, you can live with one interception. It's fine. I, I thought yeah. he was fantastic. The Eagles were, you know, basically we kind of went into this game saying that, that the, one of the best ways for the Cowboys to win the game was to to find a way to to establish the run game and and kind of take chunks that way, and then hopefully that would open things up for the, for the uh, for the passing game. Unfortunately for the for the Cowboys, the Eagles made a strong commitment to stop the run early in this game and throughout this game, and we're able to do it. Basically, mm-hmm. we're we're able to kind of commit the resources required. Uh, to to you know really kind of keep the the chunk plays in the run game from happening. It's it was a lot of two to th- two and three yard gains, and then you know what what Dak was able to do to take advantage of that is really the difference in the game, right? Like his ability to uh, you know not only operate under uh, the center and, and and do play action stuff that was necessary to kind of get guys open, but but more so than I think uh, almost any other point this season operating from empty, you know, operating from a shotgun and empty formation and just, you know, knowing that they're going to throw the ball uh, and, 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 and Philly's defense not being able to stop it. So I just thought that he did a really great job of, of taking what Philly was allowing them to have uh, and then many times aggressively taking it. And I think that's what makes this so much more difficult, like, you know, much more of a higher high wire act than, that Minnesota game is with the Minnesota game. He was being very much buoyed by a, a strong defense. There was a great run game involved. That was probably a more complete, you know, team game. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably the better Dak game because the way Philly played things, they put it all on Dak to beat him, and he did. 
I also love seeing Dak use his legs a little bit. Like, yeah, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. But on the plays where there's nothing open, like there was a couple of plays where he got four yards on first down, just running the ball, sliding, getting out of bounds. Like those little plays add up and they make a difference in these games. And I don't think Dak was doing that a lot last year, especially coming off the injury. But even at points this year, I, I wanted to see him run more. Yeah. And it's it's making a difference for the offense right now. Seeing him pick up the easy first down, you know, because he squirts out the front of the pocket because the the rush has gotten around him, uh, and and just picking up uh, uh, uh you know ten yards without being touched, like that's great. I mean, not not every quarterback has that kind of athleticism where they can get ten yards before uh, the defenders close on him. He, he's not breaking angles. He's not breaking breaking ankles. He's he's got enough strength and and you know kind of uh you know, initial explosiveness that he can get some, a, a chunk of yards before he gets uh, closed in on. And that's a valuable tool to have as a quarterback, especially in those situations. Like we just talked about where you're in an empty offense, you've got no uh, backs back there with you. you. You've got deep patterns, you've got middle patterns, or you've got a, an outlet where the guy's covered. And there's a lot of times where the middle of the field has no defenders in it because you've got no receivers out there and it really opens things up. And, and Dak was able to take advantage very efficiently and it really helped the offense overall. Yeah. I landed la- the first seven games of the year. Dak had 71 total yards rushing 71 last three games. Yeah. He's like at 70, right? So he's not running a ton, but at least 20, that 20 yards a game, 25 yards a game. That's all he needs to do to make this offense just, a tiny bit more dynamic than they already are. Two or three designed runs, maybe two or three scrambles, you know, just to kind of get some chunks, pick up some yards when you need it. And then, you know, when there's nothing else available and you're just trying to get some efficiency to make it uh, shorter down a distance on third down, all of that is really good stuff. Stuff where he can get down easily without taking a huge hit. I'm I'm all for. I want to talk a little bit about CeeDee Lamb in this game because it was just another marvelous performance by him. But before we do that, I want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Football GM app. We're really excited about today's sponsor because this app is so much fun. I downloaded it over the weekend. It's it's great if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM as you can literally make every single decision between hiring the right coaches and coordinators. Uh, you can trade players. You can make draft picks. You can even like assign how much ticket sales are and, and concession stand stuff. It's, it's really fun. It's challenging, all in a realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go uh, as you want and when you want to. Locked On Cowboys listeners will get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON in the game store right now. That's the promo code LOCKEDON, uh, all caps. So make sure you check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com. Or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, the ultimate football GM app. Start your dynasty today. All right, let's talk about CeeDee Lamb, who maybe had the best game of his season. I, we keep saying this every week, but uh, 11 targets, 10 catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns, completely unstoppable. It feels like over the last two months, CeeDee's really hit a different level. Yeah, I mean, just you know, finding his way open, catching everything. Uh, the efficiency is just so much better, right? Like the the targeting efficiency. He's catching at a higher rate. Um, he's he's producing with he when he gets the ball. His yards after catch is really high. Um, you know, the, the I, I think that the, also the targeting has helped helped him a lot. That they've they've gotten more opportunities in the middle of the field. 
Uh, and since he plays in the slot, he's been taking advantage of it. It felt like it feels like Dak and him are more on the same page with some of these um, uh, kind of deep over routes and stuff that was, was being thrown in the middle of the field that maybe earlier they were still kind of trying to work out the timing on a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that when you look at what CD has been able to do these kind of last few games, uh, it's it's really put him on pace as as one of the elite wide receivers in the league. Um, I got the numbers here. Last yeah. four games, ready? 31 yeah. targets, 27 catches for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Um, since Dak returned to the lineup, he's averaging 10.6 yards per target. Wow. Per target. Per target. Wow. I, I, I looked at that compared to like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Deontay Johnson, who are all averaging under 10 yards per catch this year. That's amazing. You know, I mean, that just shows you just like how how incredible uh, this run has been uh, for them. So, um, yeah, and, and there were definitely two or three other plays where it felt like he was open that that, that could have been big plays that it just didn't work out. So, uh, I, again, I, I think the thing that's that's huge here for the Cowboys pass offense is the efficiency. I mean, you just yeah. you just said it. I think you said, what was it, 27 of 31 over the yeah. last three games or something like that? Over the last the, four the, games, yep. There, there would have been, uh, you know, in the past, you know, that's four that's four unconverted targets out of 31 tar- uh, uh, tar- attempts, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in the past, previously, like even earlier this season, you may have seen four uncompleted uh, t- uh, targets in one game. Well, you know? just to give you an example, week one, Dak in, in CD – Two catches on eleven targets for twenty nine. Exactly, yards. exactly. They they had more missed targets in that one game than they've had the entirety of the last four games. And I think that that's. I mean, I know that the yardage and everything adds up, but the fact that you're able to just complete those targets is really helping to kind of continue to get first downs, continue to help them move the chains. I mean, look at the rate. I mean, we, we can talk about this too. The Cowboys' third down conversion rate is just absolutely absurd at this point, and especially with Dak back. I mean, he's just been, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's been skyrocketing. I'm pretty sure it's number one, and it's number one by a large margin. Um, so I just I wish think you could that avoid that, some of those third downs, but otherwise, I mean, when you get there, you need to be able to convert them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I mean, s- there are certainly, uh, I think that what's been so impressive is that we've had several of these drives, one or two of these drives a game, it feels like, where the Cowboys get behind the chains in a big way on third downs and are still able to convert them. Um, you know, obviously we did. And, and I think I said this on Thanksgiving day or maybe before this, that the Cowboys can't continue to live like that. I think that at the time they had had uh, two different red zone uh, touchdowns that they had converted on third down third and they and were 15. third and long, right? Third and 15 plus touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, the Cowboys cannot continue to live and die by converting third and longs. I mean, I, it was only one big play, and we should talk about that play specifically. We'll get that. Uh, but but I do think that that is something that that is you know an, an impressive part of the Cowboys game is that they have been able to, to convert third downs, at, no matter what the down to distance, at a rate that's really impressive. And, and it seems like Dak has better answers now than he did before, and and, and he has more reliable targets to throw the ball to. Uh, Michael Gallup, um, we, sh- we should mention him, seven uh, targets in this game, four catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Um, he had a red zone fade that kind of clanked off his hands. It would have been a tough catch. Uh, I think he missed time that jump is what, what happened there. Going back well, and watching which, that. Which happened last week against Jacksonville yep. as well. They had a very similar play where he missed time to jump in the back of the yep. end zone. It's frustrating because you see flashes of Michael Gallup 
looking like the old player that he was, right? Like making unbelievable plays on scramble drills, but still waiting for a little bit more consistency there. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm seeing it from him. I'm seeing old Michael Gallup. It's just, uh, you know, converting some of those tougher those tougher plays that he has. Look, I, the reason he's still valuable, I think, to this team is that he has not lost even an ounce of his uh, dangerousness, if that's a word. Dangerousness. Yeah, his dangerousness uh, on on broken plays. He is one of the best play- receivers Dak has on broken plays of finding an open spot in the zone, adjusting to the football so it can be thrown to him. That touchdown showed it, but even on several other plays, he just understands the mission. When when, yes. when the play breaks down, he understands where he, where whatever the situation, he knows how to find a spot to sit down to get to make himself open and available to Dak and in and you know. The the area where, where where Gallup is still working himself into shape is the timing on his routes. You know when the play is 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 operating the way it's supposed to, mm-hmm. and I think the timing of that jump. I mean, I think that's the thing on those jump balls. He's just getting up too early, and and even on that one in the sun, like he was hanging there for a little while. It was kind of impressive that he was able to, able to get his hands on it. Uh, but I, I think once he gets the timing down there, he will always be a valuable player in this offense as a broken play receiver. We need him to get the kind of continue to work on yeah. getting the timing of of operating inside the offense down a little bit. It's too bad there wasn't like four or five more weeks left in the season because I think yeah. he is starting to play better. He just needs more time in this offense to kind of shake off some of the rust, get a little bit healthier and get the, the timing down with Dak because you are starting to see a little bit of it. Let's uh, talk about T.Y. Hilton really yeah. quickly. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but he made a big play this game on third and uh, 30. I think uh, I remember seeing it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is exactly why you sign guys like T.Y. Yeah. Hilton at this stage in the year because they can swing games. It He doesn't need to play 50 snaps a game, but a few high leverage snaps, and he can make a difference. Uh, and I don't know if you saw. I mean, we'll we'll definitely talk about the play in question for sure. But I don't know if you saw. But the very next play, he was wide open for a touchdown too. Yeah, like on on yeah. a corner route on the opposite yeah. side. So yeah, I mean, I think it's time to kind of take the training wheels off Ty Hilton and give him a full load at at this point. Um, he clearly looks good to go. That 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 route was beautiful. I, I, to kind of get get into the specifics of the route, he waited. You know, he he understands how to how and when to switch gears right that's the key thing that veteran wide receivers especially speed merchants the really good ones they understand how to vary their speed and how to use their speed to lull corners into sleep right you you run at fourth gear and you get a cornerback thinking okay this is this is speed i can handle i can i can handle that and what happens is in that on that route ty is running it at probably fourth gear right and 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 you see slay and he's got eyes in the backfield and he's keeping outside leverage and he's trying to trying to keep eyes in the backfield while keeping TY mm-hmm. Hilton in his peripheral the moment TY realizes that he's out of his periphery and that he's in the blind spot and then that's part of the coverage for quarterbacks they they you know they have an awareness that the, that the wide receivers behind them and when they get on the back side of them they know that they're going to have to do a turn and run situation but the difference is is that T.Y. had fourth gear all the way up until the moment that he got out of his periphery. And then once he was behind him, that's when he kicked into fifth gear. So by the time that he got out the top, 
and and Slade turned around, he had like four steps on him already. Yeah. And, and Slade turned and ran. It was too late by that time. The safety tried to come over to the other side of the field, but Dak had already looked him off on the backside, so he was going to be late. Dak threw maybe the best deep ball I've ever seen him throw. I think like so. it was, it was a rope, man. The only like, one that I can think that was better, and it was almost on a similar play, was 2016 against Pittsburgh to Dez. Uh, I mean, but this one I might have even been better. We just haven't seen him have to throw those kind of balls no. before, you know. And he, it was gorgeous, right where it needed to be. Ty did a great job of keeping the separation at the top of the route, catching his, uh, catching it with palms out, bringing the ball in and securing the catch. Just a veteran play, just uh, you know, top to bottom, understanding how to create the separation with your speed behind the corner, understanding how to keep that separation at the top of the route, fighting through the safeties, I mean, DPI. I mean, that was a defensive yeah. pass interference, oh, yeah. and they didn't call it. So uh, just a fantastic play by T.Y. Hilton. All right, let's uh, let's move over to defense. Um, we're going to talk about the offensive line. Trust me, we didn't ignore them. We're going to talk about them on tomorrow's show a little bit more. But We're trying uh, to get through everything, guys, but it's a short week, so we got a lot to get through. Really, really short week. I uh, want to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do is pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize pick projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projection on just about any sport that you watch. That includes the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They are currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the Price Pick app or go to PricePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. It means if you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. You deposit $50, they'll give you $50. It's just that easy. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Landon, lots of stuff to talk about on defense, but I think we have to talk about Deron Bland and Nashawn Wright in this game because we talked yeah. so much about the corners uh, this week and where we, how concerned we were if it's going to be their Achilles heel. Those guys weren't perfect. They gave up some big plays, but... Bland made a an awesome interception that kind of changed the game. Nation Wright certainly didn't kill you on the outside. It's hard not to be at least a little bit encouraged by the young corners. Oh yeah, and in fact, I think you should be very encouraged. I mean, look, uh, Bland clearly. This isn't a fluke at this no. point, right? <laughs> like, I mean, fluke, Bland's a good player. I, I think we can go ahead and and. and you know, he's going to be somebody that fits exhale in and, 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 yeah. and believe it, you know, like bland clearly knows what he's doing. It, uh, it reminds I think, me a lot of like Anthony Brown as a rookie, right? Like yeah. You could just see right away. Okay. Well, there's going to be just, some variance, but it's a level a of competence, right? Yeah. It's a level of, of, of a high floor of competence while making game, uh, game changing plays that you just don't see from a, I mean, you don't see from any rookie, much less a fifth round pick, you know? So uh, that's just really impressive. And I think that that's the key to all of it, right? That the fact that you can get Bland playing at the level that you have and the level of consistency that you have had. I mean, that's the thing I've been waiting for, right? Okay, when's the shoe going to drop on this kid? We're five games in. You know, obviously, uh, cornerbacks have up and down games. 
but but I was more concerned that he wouldn't be able to maintain a a level of 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 good play. You know, it's okay to have one bad game and then you know five or six normal level playing games. That's normal. That's part of the position. But what you normally expect with cornerbacks, especially rookie cornerbacks, is they play a great, they play bad. They play great, they play bad. Bland has played at a very steady, consistent pace, which I think kind of seals up your cornerback two discussion. Now, the rest of the discussion becomes. What do we do with the nickel situation? What do we do when we need three corners in the field? Bland's obviously going to be your second guy, but he also gives you options because he can play inside and outside, which is another incredible thing about Bland, right? The fact that he played equally efficient inside and outside. So this now opens up the conversation to should the nickelback be McKenzie Alexander or should the nickelback be Nashawn Wright? I think you saw a little bit of both. They had some uh, pros and cons with both, but I think that, you know, Having the ability to play Nashawn Wright on the outside when it's appropriate without exposing him to, you know, clear weaknesses that he might have in playing man coverage against, you know, kind of these water bug speedy types. Yep. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's a great case scenario, right? Because you can protect him with your scheme a little bit. You can make sure that he's kind of staying in a silo where he's comfortable. And then you can also have the kind of interior guys that you, you need in Jerome Bland who can make the plays that are required of, of a nickelback. You've got a level of physicality that you like in both of those players when they're on the field at the same time. So um, I, I was very encouraged by what I saw when they had those guys on the field at the same time. And, and, and this is something also to keep in mind is that, again, they still have – McKenzie Alexander. They still have a couple other guys that are on their bench getting, you know, getting ready for maybe down the down down the season a little bit. And then there's also schematic solutions that they have that include playing three and four safeties, not mm-hmm. necessarily having to play a, a third corner uh, that could still kind of do, uh, accomplish what you're looking for. So uh, I, what we needed to see was a level of competency from Nashawn Wright on a snap when he's on the field, and then continued competency from Deron Bland. Uh, I think you saw both of those uh, in spades yep. on Sunday against the Eagles. I mean, Saturday against the Eagles. Nation, right? I, that one I think is going to be a little bit more up and down week to week. But like, sure, yeah, on Bland, it's just a player. It's, it's, it's just a so guy. cool. And what's what's funny is is it's a it's not a fluke because he's now put it together in multiple games like in a row. Yeah, but it's also like from. As soon as we got to training camp, I was going to say preseason. Yeah, because he made plays all preseason long, and then what do we he say? got on the field early in the season. It's just a steady drumbeat of that is the word. News. There's the word, and and that was it, right? We talked about the drumbeat for. I mean, we brought up the word drumbeat. Shout out to Sigmund Bloom, uh, from from Deron Bland. Like that's that's yeah. who the the conversation even started from at training camp. Yep. He performed throughout training camp. Gets to the regular season, struggles a little bit. I mean, it's a step up, right? That's that's a normal thing. Gets back in after a second stint. Guess what? He's playing like the guy that we saw in training camp. Yep. That's the drum beat. That's that's the guy that you that that you know. The guy that didn't play well early in the season. That was the exception. This is who this guy is. Uh, I, I think you feel pretty confident of saying that after five positive yep. games, and, and then obviously a training camp filled with really good play. All right, so we've been overwhelmingly positive right now. Just to close out the show, just a little bit of a negative thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The defensive tackles are a problem, Landon, especially, especially Neville Gallimore. Just really Gallimore. Is, I, I, honestly, I, I, I think that the, for the most part, a lot of these other guys played okay. And, 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 and we should have a conversation about when it's time to start playing 
uh, more Chauncey Golston because I, I think you know what you've seen is that over these last few games, the Jacksonville game is the exception where they played him at defensive end. I think that's just. I don't, it's not a good fit for what he does necessarily. But if you put him in the B gap, like here's the problem, right? The Cowboys are filthy with guys who can play in the B gap. I mean, they've got like two different different defensive tackles, four defensive ends, all of whom can play in the B gap. The problem is, is they need somebody who can take on double teams. That's what Hankins was doing. That's what uh, Bohana can do sometimes. That's what uh, Carlos Watkins seems to be doing without any problem at all. And that's another guy we're going to need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, in a positive way, but Gallimore, like he is terrible at it. And it's so bad. It's so bad that, I, I mean, w- why not put in the 270 pound defensive well, tackle? It can't be any worse, you know, than what, what's going on in the run game. So it's at least gonna you be get really some in the pass game. It seems like Jonathan Hankins is going to be ready for the playoff game, right? Yeah. Like when the Cowboys play Tampa Bay, do you keep Neville Gallimore on the active list or are you better off keeping somebody like Chauncey Golston who might give you a little bit more length and pass rushing ability and athleticism? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I honestly, I, I just don't. Th- I think at a certain point you have to think about deactivating him, giving some of his three technique snaps to Golston, giving the rest of his snaps to, to Carlos Watkins, who, I mean, again, like you want to talk about drum beats? Well, how has how well has Carlos Watkins been playing these last three weeks? Like forced so forced uh, the game. Uh, he didn't get in, almost any recognition when he he made the most uh, impactful uh, for turnover in this game. You know, like I I I think he's been playing at such a high level. And, and, and the thing that's so crazy about it is that he's a journeyman. He's a guy that like you know they cut earlier in the season and they resigned. He was on the street for a while. He's been one of their best interior players for the last few weeks, and he's been making plays. So I think that they just kind of need to reshuffle the, the the snaps a little bit. I just don't know what you're doing with Gallimore at this point. Like you're just not getting enough in the pass uh, rush game from him yes. to justify how terrible he is in the run. And and I've I've tried giving him the benefit of the doubt for a long time, but we're in year it's, three it's, now. Yeah, it's it's detrimental at this point. They already cut Tristan Hill. You know what's what's going on here? Let's Seems play the like player. we're at a very similar path where you're going to burn probably two day two picks on guys that really aren't helping. The Cowboys have got to figure out defensive tackle this offseason. Like that's it's the one thing holding them back from really being a consistently good defense week in and week out, right? Like if they had Deron Payne there instead of Neville Gallimore, this could be the best defense in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. That is it for today's show. Thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen today. Now, make your second listen to Locked On Sports Today podcast. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and the opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. The Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, all the same places that you download the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We'll be back tomorrow answer your Twitter questions. We're going to talk about the offensive line. We'll talk a little bit more about Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, who we didn't talk about at all on today's show. (laughs) So make sure you guys tune in for that. Follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys next time.